going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing flame. Yankees put it in the wind column. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour of Flames Talk underway. It is Wednesday, March 15th. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Yeah, Steinberg and Aaron Vickers coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Flames Talk available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, your exclusive home of our Flames Talk post-game show, which was uh, rather heated and lengthy on Tuesday following a 4-3 overtime loss to the Arizona Coyotes. A frustrating 4-3 overtime loss to the Arizona Coyotes. Um, let's, let's kick off this hour. Jonathan Davis will join us a little bit later on inside hockey to spin us around the rest of the Pacific Division, but is it time to juggle up the forward line? Yes. And what I mean by that not just tweaks, not just left-wing swap, right-wing flip. No, no, I'm talking about straight-up wholesale blender-like changes because my answer is absolutely yes, it is time to do that. They've got 14 games left. They are, other than one line, things are not going great, guns. not like we're talking about these lines running roughshod over opposition and getting nothing but stymied by opposing goaltenders. Not a ton has worked outside of the backland line. And I think it's time to make significant changes on all four lines because they've got nothing to lose, maybe a spark to gain. And as much as there are many who text in or tweeted us about how It would be better for the Flames to lose more than they won down the stretch. It would be better for them to get a better shot at winning the lottery, which I understand the thinking. Realistically, they're not going to do that. Realistically, with a five-point gap and even games played, we are most likely going to see them for the next couple of weeks anyway, with four weeks left in the season, we're, we're going to see them try to win as many games as they can and try to whittle down this gap and, and try to make the playoffs. So in knowing that, down the road, I think there's a very, very good conversation to be had about when it's time to bring younger players in and when it's time to maybe start focusing on next season or the bigger picture. I don't think we're there yet. So let's just dive in. I love the backland line. Break it up. Because you know you can go back to that line and you know that they will be able to jump back right in where they left off. So again, I say, what is there to lose? And let's start with Kadri and Huberdeau because that to me is the first place I'm going. Aaron, I'm, I'm breaking those two guys up all day because I just, I don't see a lot of chemistry right now. When you say Aaron, I can tell there's a lot of pain behind it because very, very rarely do you not call me Vickers. So it hits you in the heart when you use my first name and not my last. I know it tears you up inside. But yeah, and even over the course of the last 10 games, the two most productive players in the Calgary Flames are Jonathan Huberto, Nazem Kadri in terms of points per game. But to me, it's almost in spite of the lack of chemistry as opposed to the fact that they have a lot of it. 
I think it would be time to explore another center for Jonathan Huberto, whether that's Elias Lindholm, whether that's Michael Backlund. But I also in, in agreements with you. In agreements? Is that a is that a word? Is in that agreement, is that in, in agreement with you? I think thesaurus word of the day. Um, the Backlund, Mangiapani, Coleman. I don't even want to call it an experiment. Maybe we'll call it an experience. It's time to split them up. Yes, collectively they have been one of the best lines in the NHL in several different metrics. But in terms of goals and assists, the lines only combined for nine points in the last ten games. Backlund's got six. Coleman's got three. Mangiapani has none. Zero. It's time to end that experience and try to put those individual players in a spot where, yeah, sure, they might not dominate Corsi, they might not dominate expected goals for percentage, but if they're actually producing more mm-hmm. and eliminating the opposition at the same time, then that's going to be a plus. It can't always be about expected this or shot, shot attempt that. The fact remains that there isn't a forward on the roster in the last 10 games that is a plus player. Whether or not you like plus minus, everybody's in the red right now if you're a forward for the Calgary Flames over the last 10 games, and you need to see a lot of green if you're going to put together anything that resembles a playoff push. So to your question, put them in the blender, blow them up. Yeah, overhaul it. Wholesale changes because you have nothing to lose at this point because what's gotten you to this point hasn't been overwhelmingly, oh my God, we cannot do this. Even that trio of Coleman, Backlund, Mangiapane. Well, and so I know that they made changes going into the last road trip and they they juggled them up pretty significantly going into the Dallas game, but it was still Lindholm and Toffoli together. It was still the Backlund line together. It was still Kadri and Huberdeau together. And the fourth line remained kind of what it was. And yes, Richie got put on the Kadri line and Pelche got put on the, the Lindholm line. Like, I get it. Dubé got moved to the fourth line. But that that still isn't what we're talking about. That's still kind of shuffling deck chairs around the around the edges. What I'm talking about is completely blow it up. And and splitting apart Huberto and Kadri is is the first step to it because now all of a sudden what has been a duo for the last three months is no longer together. And you split up one of your duos, and now you don't really have a choice but to touch all the other lines. And if you want to keep the Lindholm to Foley duo together, sure. If you want to keep the Backlund and Coleman duo together, sure. I just think there's there's a real opportunity here to make a change and see if that can give you a spark. And if it doesn't, well then it's going to be too late anyway, but you're kind of you're kind of at the spot now where it's like, okay, you might as well give it one last shot to see if you can't spark something offensively on a team that has been very very challenged offensively for most of this season. That next goal has been so hard for them to get and Maybe this doesn't help. Maybe no combination of lines is going to get them there. But what do you have to lose breaking them up a little bit more substantially or significantly than you have to this point? And I, and I keep going back. to I just haven't seen a lot of chemistry between Kadri and Huberto. And those are your two highest paid players or, or your highest paid player and your soon to be highest paid player. I get wanting them to be together. And I get wanting to try to see if it can work, but we're 68 games in and they've played together for like the last 35. I don't think it's working. There have been stretches where it's been okay, but 
that that to me is where it all starts, and then you kind of go from there and and start to put other things together from there. Hard to disagree, especially when you want to talk about Kadri who hasn't scored since February 18th, and you've got Jonathan Hubert, who's oof, he's in line for one of, if not the biggest, point drops year over year. So why not put him in a blender? What do you have to lose? Nothing. My question for you, Pat Steinberg, right uh-huh. now is, how crazy are you willing to get in coming up with new lines? How outside the box, how wicked eyebrow raising is Pat Steinberg getting in reconfiguring the lines? I, like, I there's very little that I wouldn't be interested in seeing. Would you tinker at all with Elias Lindholm as a right winger and Dubé as a center, or is that too far? Would it be my first place to go? No. But if they were to do it, sure, why not? Would you hesitate at all in putting Backlund in a more offensive role, maybe with a guy like Tyler Toffoli or Jonathan Huberto? No. I mean, Backlund's been their best center this year. Is the Dubé at center thing? I know we kind of touched on it, but that was more... Lindholm to the right, Dubé down the middle. But would you entertain at all, Dubé down the middle? Uh, would yeah. you stack the top three lines, or would you look for depth across all four? I, I think there's something to be said about trying Dubé at center because he gives you a little bit of he gives you a bit of speed down the middle, which they don't have a ton of. Lindholm's game is not speed based. Kadri's game, Backlund's game. We're not talking about it being a real speed based game. So. Yeah, I think that you could you could make that argument. I, I know there's a lot of people, and I've I've pushed back on it many times with calls or texts throughout the year about moving Lindholm to the right and stacking up that top line. Again, would it be the first place I would go? No, but there's very little that I'm going to be like, no, 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 you can't try that. I, what can't you try at this point? So is that panic button then at this point if you're willing to go to that yes. length? They're they're five out of the playoffs. There's 14 to go. Like we're at panic time. Here, I thought you were selling me on optimism, snake oil salesman. That was Come last, on. That was last hour. Roll it back if you haven't heard, because Pat Steinberg does just the feeblest of attempts in convincing me that this can happen. But to your point, they're in the situation they are. In theory, if the Winnipeg Jets continue playing at the pace they have all season, and the Nashville Predators play at theirs. Calgary Flames need roughly 22 of 28 points to leapfrog. It's time. It's time to hit that panic button. It's time to blow it up. It's time for a complete overhaul in my mind. I'm just curious at looking at the personnel that they have and trying to align it, seeing what fits. Like at this point, I'm super curious as to what's the winning combination here for the top nine. Who has to go where in order to spark some offense or spark that one more goal? It's for not the even Calgary the top Flames. nine, though. I think it's the top 12. I mean, your fourth line mix hasn't been working. Milan Lucic has dropped way off. And I don't even, even last night against Arizona, I thought that Lewis and Dewar were pretty decent for what they were asked to do. But I, Lucic was way off it and even got a couple of shifts up on the, the Lindholm line, which I, I still can't wrap my head around. Does Adam Ruzichka fit in at yes. all for you? Where, where where does he slide? Because it's one of those guys that you could bring in to center the fourth line. He can play left wing on the fourth line, and he's had a lot of success earlier this season playing on the top line with Elias Lindholm. So you do have some wild card pieces you can shuffle in. Even Walker Dewar, to an extent, I wouldn't be opposed to elevating him in the lineup from the speed that he brings. He's shown a bit of finish. He has tenacity. Like There's a lot of moving pieces here where I think he could do a lot of intriguing things. 
I just wonder what the winning combo is. I don't know what the winning well, combo is. Well, you'd be is. making $5 million as a head coach in the NHL if you right? had that answer, I think. I, I, But, yeah. I mean, somebody last night, I forgot to read the text on thir- on Tuesday night, and, and it's I'm kicking myself now about you know elevating Dewar and comparing him to Hathaway. Now, Garnet Hathaway has been a fourth-liner for but a good fourth liner yeah. for the last little while. He was There's a, a reason liner. the Boston Bruins went out and got him. Yeah, And he's a fourth liner in Boston. Yeah. He was a fourth line guy in Washington. He was a fourth line guy here. I think Dewar projects as that, but if you wanted to move Dewar up and, and elevate him, why not? Um, I, I don't, for the time being, I don't think there's anything wrong with sitting Milan Lucic down here for a little bit and putting together more of a, a skill skating type number four line with Ruzicka and Dewar on it. And maybe it's Lewis there, or maybe it's Richie there. I don't know. But I think there's absolutely reason to bring Ruzicka back in uh, because it's been a long time for him. And you hope that even if it's temporarily, that gives him a little bit of a spark and that spark can help the group. And uh, if you put Huberdo back with Lindholm and Toffoli, I know it didn't work and wasn't great when they put him together early in the season, but why not try it again now? It's been a while. and the urgency of the situation, maybe that can help. Remember, we all were in love with Kadri Manjapani and, and Dubé in the first six or seven games. Why not? Maybe that can help get Kadri's game back to a more consistently high level. Really, I, I'm seeing lots of line combinations come in on the text line, and none of them, I'm like, nope, nope, can't do that. If you want to start to, you know what? Uyghur is a forward. I can't even say, no. okay, that's, that. There, there are, there's, there's a limit to it, but I mean, really, anything that I or most of the things that I would have been like, nah, I wouldn't do that earlier in the season. Um, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, yeah, I'm, sure, why not try that? Well, I mean, everything needs to be on the table at this point, and I'll be very curious whether there's a morning skate or not in Las Vegas to get a glimpse of the lines, or when puck drops and they work through the rotation the first three and a half minutes of the game what Daryl Sutter trots out as the four lines because there there really is no reason to keep it as is. There's no reason to maintain the status quo here. Somebody suggests the old Brent Sutter full defense power play. Were you covering that game where he put five D-men wow. out there for a power play? I mean, it's legendary, and I feel like I was there. I can't say for certain. What Was that 20, 2011? Uh, it would have been either. I was there for Brent's last season, I think, was my first year on the beat. Um, from year, I would have been year one or year two of Brent as head coach when he put five defensemen. I mean, over. he he made his point. It was a really bad night. You're like, what is? I also remember Brent Sutter uh, making Curtis Glencross skate in circles at a practice once. I mean, in all fairness, a five man power play all defense doesn't necessarily look that bad with the personnel that Calgary does have in, at it, at the moment with. Stetcher, Uyghur, Hannafin, Anderson, Zadorov, maybe. N- n- sorry, Chris Tanov, you're more of a defensive guy to me when it's allocating the top five offensive defensemen on the Calgary Flames. Put Zadorov in front of the net, away you go. I'm kind of kidding. I'm I'm not really endorsing a 5D man power play, but I know. I mean, it's curious. I'll read you a few texts here at 960, 960. Um, hasn't Sutter blended the lines all season anyway? What's the point? Yes, but not to this extent. He's, he's kept pairs together for the most exactly. part. Like Lindholm, Toffoli, Kadri, Huberdo, uh, Coleman, Backlund for the most part. This and then, is like taking your Jenga game and pulling out clearly the last block. You know you're going to topple it. This is it. Like 
it's time to topple the Jenga and and bring the tower down and rebuild it a little bit differently. Uh, this says, worst chemistry I've ever seen on any professional sports team. Shuffle it up, but please don't shuffle Lucic up the lineup. His place is on the bench. Uh, this says, blend him up. Totally. Uh, Lindholm between Huberdeau and Toffoli. Backlund with Pelche and Coleman. Zeri with Dubé and Pedersen. Kadri with Dewar and Lewis. Um, they only have two more recalls left. And they've got a salary cap and a roster limit. So bringing up Pedersen and and uh, Zeri is not realistic right now with everybody healthy. Um, unfortunately, I don't make the rules, okay? I'm sorry there's a salary cap, but I'm sorry you can only have 23 guys in your active roster. I think you do make the rules. This is all although you Steinberg. don't. There's, I don't believe there is a 23 man roster cap no. anymore after the trade deadline. But there's still a salary cap. Yes, you still have to be under the. You gotta be 81.5. so. So after the trade deadline, the 23 man roster limit no longer exists. But you still have to be cap compliant. Once the playoffs begin, you can have as many players and be as over the cap as you want to be. Once the playoffs begin, look at us going full Pike with the CBA. Yeah, where's. Pike's going to be proud of me. He's going to text one of us any second now and just be like, you got this little detail just correct, but not all the way correct. Um, Somebody suggests having a lineup lottery, like the draft lottery. Um, Could you just just throw names into a hat and start drawing them? Is that basically the equivalent? We don't have the ping pong balls to run through the whole scenario. This reads, uh, maybe, Why, why not? Uh, go back to the game one lines. At least they won a few. That's kind of like, that's, that's Ooh, one of the ideas. One? They were five and one. It was the best start through six games in Flames franchise history. And they won the whole, the season opener. Did well, they, they, they snapped their season opener losing streak. At 11, 12? Whatever it was. I think it was 11. It was double digits anyway. It was oh, 09 was the last time they had won uh, the, the season opener. So yeah, so that's, that that's definitely double digits there. Um, and then this says... I'm afraid Rizichka will be the Valimaki of next year. Let's get into that for a second, because there's been a lot of talk about Yuso after his two-assist performance. He was really good against the Flames. I actually liked Yuso in both the games that Arizona played in Arizona against the Flames. Um, and, and he gets the two assists. He sets up the overtime winner. Played 24 minutes? I thought he was really good. Uh, and and I know that he's playing in a number one, number two top pairing role, and, and it would be different here in Calgary, but there were a lot of texts after the game on our text line at 960-960. I saw plenty of it on social media. Um, it, does, it, it does make you wonder what could have been, and it does make you wonder with a slightly different approach with a player how things could have developed for a former first-round pick. And I... I do think the organization flubbed that one a little bit. Um, you were talking about a former first-round pick. Does Yuso bear some of the responsibility? Of course he does. It's it's never one person's fault, and it's it's never the player a player not working out on a on a certain team. There's always responsibility on the player, but I don't think I don't think it was handled necessarily very well with. The coach, I, I think uh, the coach was really hard on him, and that's how Daryl Sutter is. That's how he goes about his business. I just don't think it worked with this player. Well, what was he, number ninth on the depth chart coming out of training camp, basically? Eight, nine, somewhere in that range, if, if Mackey and Stone were Well, and Melosh, because Melosh yeah. technically made the opening night lineup. Yeah, I guess so. So, 
I mean, he's somewhere in that eight or nine. I want to read you a quote from Valimaki via Eric Francis, because Eric Francis wrote a piece on Valimaki. Yeah. I'm not angry anymore. I'm not bitter towards anyone or have bad blood for anyone over there. It didn't work out. I just don't think it would ever have worked out in Calgary. In the end, it wasn't about anything someone did or didn't do. I needed a fresh start. I think all of that is true. But at the same time, I think if there was a sliver of more opportunity for him and he was given more time, unfortunately, he needed to, you know, clear waivers. There was a bunch of circumstance for him to work on his game and he wouldn't be playing 10 minutes a night in Calgary. But I do think with more opportunity and more time, he could have flourished in Calgary. I do too. And I think obviously what we're seeing right now is a guy that, and, and look, I still think there's flaws in his game. still think there's things he needs to work on, but and it's, it's, and essentially what he told Eric on Tuesday was the same thing he told us on Flamestock a couple months ago when he joined us and said the same thing. He's not angry. There's no hard feelings. I, I don't like, he's getting this incredible opportunity with the coyotes, but I, I just wonder you go back to last year maybe a little bit more time in the American League would have been would have been beneficial. Well, he lost him. so much time, development time, because of injuries that he kept sustaining that he needed more time. Unfortunately, the shot clock ran out in Calgary. You just, you know, trying to sneak him down to play for the Wranglers and let him play 25 this minutes year, a night. This year, yes, but last even going year. back to last year or the year before. And I guess, I don't know. I just think saying, well, the circumstances didn't work out, absolves the organization a little no, bit. No, no, I'm not trying and to I'm give anybody a free are. pass. I know, I'm not saying you are. I just It's bad asset management when you lose a first-round pick on waivers. It just is. And I think that the, the, in hindsight, there could have been a, a better way of handling it because he wasn't a first-round pick by accident. We weren't talking about him as a potential you know, top-pairing defenseman by accident coming out of his rookie season in the, the year he had or the, the playoffs he had against Colorado. Those things weren't by accident. I just wonder how, like, yes, I think that the approach that Daryl Sutter took with Uso did not work, and I think that that led to, partially led to where we ended up, and I think that as, as an organization, the Flames could have handled it a little bit better, whether it be more time in the American League or more push from above to get him into the lineup as a former first-round pick. Whatever the case may be, I just I do think that there is some responsibility that, that Brad Living, Daryl Sutter, need to take on a guy who was a first-round pick not that long ago being lost on waivers and then going and flourishing with the team that claims him, I, I think that that, I think you got to wear that if you're the Flames. Well, it wasn't too long ago. I think as an 18-year-old, he was a captain for Finland at the World Juniors. Maybe he was 19 at that point, but he was also a U18 captain for Finland. Before he came back, um, when he was playing in Finland, what, wasn't he the gold helmet wearer for his club? The leading yeah. scorer before he returned uh, from the COVID pause, if you will? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of upside that he just, whether it was injury or opportunity or just getting back into a regular rhythm that he wasn't afforded in Calgary, that I think now he's been afforded with Arizona. He's got 28 points in 64 games with Arizona. 28 points in 64 games. That's a lot. Now, granted, he's playing a lot, but that's the kind of production, that's the kind of upside that the situation the Arizona Coyotes are in can afford to take a risk and a gamble on. And like for both parties, it's worked out so far. It has. And I you know maybe it happens the same way with Mackey. I don't know. Um, 
Brett Ritchie being on the top line is is quite the funny. Who story do they think they well. are? The Calgary Flames poaching all the former Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> there is Calgary South now. That's true. It's, everybody's going there now. Uh, and did you see the did you see the uh, Flames contingent at Mullet Arena? It was. It I heard felt some. Like, I heard some C's and some Reds during the anthem. I even like I heard slamming on the glass when Huberdeau tied it. It was uh, it was a very Calgary heavy crowd. I need to get down there for a game. I'm not gonna lie. Like I everybody don't. can point. I everybody can point to. It's a five thousand seat arena in the NHL, and it's it is embarrassing. And it but does it's got to be awesome. It doesn't seem awesome. It seems like a five thousand seat arena. There's none. Of, all of this talk about there's gonna be chants and garbage pails being banged on. They're gonna. It's gonna be a college atmosphere. No, they couldn't even sell it out on Tuesday night. They're not even selling out every game. I don't there were empty seats everywhere. I want to check it out, and I'm a little jealous of the broadcast perspective for uh, Kelly Rudy and Rick Ball are friends because they are what like ten rows up. It is embarrassing that the NHL. Is I want to. I want to check out a game. Nothing you can say is going to change my opinion on that. And if Go it's the worst it. time, then it's the worst time. But I'm sure I've seen worse games in other arenas. It's embarrassing that the NHL is playing in a 4,600 seat arena. It's embarrassing that the league continues to push a market that clearly doesn't work. I mean, we can spend a lot of time on that. Oh, you know what? They're going to they're gonna build the brand new arena, and then everybody will come. Says who? They're not even filling the 4,600 spot that they have right now. And we're supposed to, we're supposed to believe that they're going to fill 18,000 just because there's a lot of Canadians who live there? Anyway. I just guys got some juice. I, I think it looks really bad on the league. Um, the one last thing I'll say, and the one last kind of reason, if you will, uh, as to why juggling the lines up now would be interesting to see. I think Matt Coronado's coming. Ooh. So maybe you can start to see where he could fit in there. I mean, he would slide on that right side in the top six roll pretty well. Or at least, nine. at least as an audition for next year, because if he signs, he's he's going coming to the NHL roster. I can't imagine he's signing a deal for next year and then you know riding an ATO whether, whether with he, Wranglers. Whether he's or not, I can't imagine Coronado signing without getting this year burnt. Absolutely, he's got the leverage in that respect. So you get your first year burnt, and then you get to unrestricted free agency or not uh, unrestricted, but you get to your first real contract negotiation a little earlier, uh, I, I would imagine that that's the way that this ends up going. So. And this isn't a situation where you're trying to airlift a five foot six, 141 Matthew Phillips and, and trying to convince Daryl Sutter to play him. Coronado isn't blessed with height, but he is blessed with mass. Remember him at the development camp in the summer? Guy was jacked. Guy looked like he might have been too jacked. Like he he is a brick wall. And I'd be curious to see how his game translates from the NCAA level to the NHL level because he's one of those guys that fans are clamoring to see in a Calgary Flames jersey. Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg along with you on this Wednesday edition of Flames Talk. And the Soundtrack Music Festival is coming to Edmonton on Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th. It'll be at Kinsman Park in Edmonton. It's a great lineup. Uh, and for late 90s, early 2000s kids, Ooh. this is uh, this is a lineup that you'll be all over. Ashanti, Third Eye Blind, Nelly, Everclear, and a whole lot more. Uh, so once again, June 16th and June 17th, Kinsman Park in Edmonton. Tickets on sale now, SoundtrackMusicFestival.ca. One more time, SoundtrackMusicFestival.ca.
Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Callan Gary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. Well, it is a Wednesday, which means we get the opportunity to talk to our Pacific Division insider. It's time to spin you around the division and say hello to Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. Hello, J.D. Happy Wednesday, pal. Well, happy Wednesday to you, Pat. How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, you are, 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 are you safe and sound back in your old stomping grounds? I am safe and sound. It was a bit of an adventure. I was going to go to the game tonight, but a late scratch because, shockingly, customs just was no pleasure to get through today. Okay. So you were so you were going to uh, be at the game in Toronto, but you're not going to be because right. dang customs. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, lots to, uh, lots to get to, even though you're not joining us as you usually do from California. Still lots to get to with the, uh, well, at least one California team. The only one that really matters right now are the Los Angeles Kings, who uh, they made their deals at the deadline. They brought in Corpusalo. They brought in Gavrikov. What, uh, what what have we seen in terms of the impact since the deadline for the LA Kings? I think the, the impact has been just fantastic for this team. I mean, it filled two holes for on this roster. You know, obviously the goaltending has been an issue in Los Angeles. I mean, you know, Phoenix Copley, has been, you know, we've got 21 wins now, I think it is, or 20, 20 or 21 wins for Copley. And this uh, this Jonathan Quick guy who was somehow has turned things around in Vegas. Yeah, I know. You know, it had struggled. Um, so, you know, and, and Jonas Corposalo is three for three. Um, and so he, you know, he's done everything that they've asked of him. I don't think he's been overworked in any game. I don't think he's had to win them any games. He's just done what he's needed to do. I think Gavrikov has been actually a pleasant surprise. And even with his offensive prowess, now it's, he, he's, he's not Kale McCarr, but you know, we've seen him step into the play more than I think people had expected. Plus just, you know, being that, that, that rock on, on the blue line, a guy that kills penalties. So I think, you know, Rob Blake to me, um, you know, improved his team significantly and, and maybe, you know, more so, than others because, again, I think a lot of teams, you know, comp- added compliments to their roster. Mm-hmm. I think Rob Blake really, you know, filled two holes of guys that he just did not have and makes a, makes a good team even better. Um, and they're they're playing right now without Fiala, and, and he's been such a big part of, of the team this year and yet hasn't really seemed to – they haven't missed a beat without him. They haven't, and it's interesting. You know, I, I sat down with Jim Fox, uh, the Kings uh, TV analyst, uh, who does, oh my God, who, 32 or 33 years uh, he's been doing games. He, he it, it kind of blew him away when we were talking about huh. it. But an interesting point when, when we were talking about Fiala being out of the lineup, and he said the thing with Los Angeles is, is that they, are, they, they, are, they play to such structure that they can just plug and play guys in. And it's a lot different. You know, we were, he was making the comparison to, let's say, a team like Edmonton. Edmonton loses, you know, they, this is, you know, a top-heavy, talent-laden team. 
when they, you know, even when you take a look at when Evander Kane went out of the lineup, how that changed that team. LA doesn't, you know, it doesn't work the same way for LA to their credit. They really play to a, you know, they, they play to a structured system and they can just slot guys in and out. Um, and, you know, in many cases, the sum of the parts can be better than the group, but the sum has been really good. And Fiala has been, you know, he, I mean, he's been their leading scorer and, and Anze Kopitar has been just phenomenal. Uh, you know, really take a look, you know, the last 30 games, he's been really good. And, and Quinton Byfield, you know, right now has emerged as the top line left winger. And look, the ceiling for him, Pat, is to be the number one center. But for now, he's excelling as the top line left winger. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll hope in years to come that he becomes what they had drafted him for. But, yeah, it, it's, it, it's been impressive for me, a guy that has been so highly critical of this team, you know, over the years. Um, I have to say I'm, I'm very impressed with what I see on the ice. Um, well, let's uh, move. You mentioned Jonathan Quick's name uh, just a couple of seconds ago. No longer an L.A. King, a member of the Vegas Golden Knights via the Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, not a bad, <laughs> not a bad start to the Vegas career. It's a rejuvenated Jonathan Quick. Yeah, I mean Pat, look, he's won all four starts. He hasn't, you know, the last time he he had he's won at least four in a row was last season. I think he closed out the year winning his last five decisions. And he has been really good. You know, he's had, you know, three of his four games, his save percentage has been over 900. Uh, I thought the Carolina game, he was really good. I thought, you know, I I wouldn't, you know, I know that he got touched for three goals in a game where uh, Vegas had led 4-1 going to the third. Um, but he has been, he, he's been everything that they, you know, probably more than what they had hoped for. I mean, look, none of us thought, you know, we talked about it, Pat. I don't think anybody thought that, uh, you know, what were they doing trading for Jonathan Quick? But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get the sense, Pat, you know, I I really think that Sean Burke, who is the goaltending coach in Vegas, has worked with Jonathan. And my understanding is, that, you know, Jonathan's been really receptive to Sean Burke and some of the ideas and tweaks that he has suggested to quick in, in making to his game. And, uh, you know, he is, so I think Sean Burke, the goalie coach has been the goalie whisperer and, and, and credit Jonathan quick for being receptive, even, you know, at, at, you know, for a guy who's been in the league as long as he has been in the league, but recognizing that, Hey, you know, it's been a struggle this year. Um, you know, we're never too old to learn. And I think that, you know, Sean Burke is kind of, you know, he, he's, you don't hear about him, but uh, give this guy a lot of credit. I think that he has really put uh, some ideas into Quick that's helped his game since going to Vegas. Who's uh, who's driving the bus offensively for the Golden Knights right now? Well, I think Jack Jack is driving the bus, but you know Jonathan Marchessault and Eichel and Barbashev has been a very effective line for the Golden Knights. Um, and then you know they brought up this uh, kid Pavel uh, Dorfiev, and you know, he's got goals in back-to-back games and. Um, you know, it, 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 they're, they're getting depth scoring. They haven't had that for quite some time. I mean, you know, you look back at the game against Tampa that, you know, they won that game in overtime, and that was a game where William Carlson had, like, I think he scored his second goal in, like, 15 games, and Chandler Stevenson scored his first in, like, 20 games. So guys who've been quiet for a while are, are really starting to wake up. But I really think that, you know, Jack getting on the run that he has, you know, so it's been over a point a game over about the last 
15 or 16. I mean, this is the guy they needed to step up. He, he had struggled before the break, but he's really turned things around. And the other thing, Pat, you know, we talk about Jonathan Quick, but, you know, they got a win from Yuri Patera, their fifth goalie they've used this year, mm-hmm. Pat. And that's the first homegrown Vegas goalie uh, to get a win. Uh, wow. So, you know, this, this team has been, you know, organization has been, you know, criticized and, you know, for not being able to, you know, develop. But, you know, let's remember they're only five years in. But they finally got a guy. Um, and it, that was a big win for Patera in St. Louis. Um and, and important for Vegas. And the interesting thing was, is that, you know, Patera in his post-game interview talked about who does he have, a, who did he have a poster of in his, uh, on his wall growing up? Jonathan Quick. Huh. Are they, and, and right now, I mean, Vegas is kind of got the, they're in the driver's seat to get the number one seat in the Western conference. It kind of feels like that. Dallas is kind of scuffling a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, they've got the three-point edge on Los Angeles. Like, number one in the West is Vegas is to lose, it feels like. Yeah, I think fifth overall in the NHL. And, you know, in that interview I was doing with Jim Fox, I said, okay, outside of the Kings, who's the team that you think is the greatest threat to win the West? And he said Vegas. Uh, and his feeling is, is he really likes the, the composition of the blue line. He thinks that they have all, all, all the parts, puck movers, um, guys, you know, offensive threats. They've got guys that can, can crush you like a Braden McNabb. You know, you got the shot blocker and Alec Martinez. Uh, you got Shea Theodore and Petro. He really loves that blue line and thinks, you know, that's something that makes them a, a, a really big threat uh, to win the West. With Jonathan Davis, he is our Pacific Division Insider. He joins us Wednesdays inside hockey here on Flamestock. He's joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Um, what, what are we watching oh, right now? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. One other thing. April 6th, Jonathan Quick and the Vegas Golden Knights. I know, I know. <laughs> Come on, they, they got to play in the playoffs. They have got to be, they got to go in the playoffs. It has to happen. Well, then one of them can't finish first. That's I know, I know, and they're, one of well, them is going to finish you know, first. Yeah. Unless it's round two. Round two, we could see it happen. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of which, uh, Seattle has kind of been in and out of a Pacific Division playoff spot. Uh, they're now back to being in a wild card spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's, you know, they, they, they ran into a buzzsaw in Dallas. I mean, uh, at home to the Dallas Stars, you know, they had one of those rare uh, two game homestands against the stars and, and, and a game that they led until the final minute. Uh, it was a great game on Saturday night against Dallas. And then the ageless wonder Joe Pavelski tied it. Uh, and then, and then uh, Dallas wins it in overtime on, on, I think arguably a potential goal of the year. I mean, I'm never, I'm, I've never been a Max Domi fan, but if you guys, if your listeners haven't seen it and Pat, if you haven't seen it, go check out the winning goal Saturday night, Dallas and Seattle, the saucer pass, from Max Domi to mm-hmm. Miro Haskinen, who took it out of the air and buried it into the top corner. It was just, it was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, it was tough. I mean, Seattle takes just gets only one out of four points uh, against Dallas, you know, Saturday, Monday in the two game homestand against them. And it's interesting, you know, look, we talk about a lot, a lot of analytics, you know, I, I always reference a lot of, you know, sports wagering, but, you know, I will make the point here with Seattle. You know, they were the home under, they were an, a, the betting underdog in both those games against Dallas. And I think there's something like three and 10 this year as the home underdog 
but they're about four or five games above 500 as a home betting favorite. So, you know, it's just it's just something to you know for me it's just another way to to look look at at things. You know, games that they're not expected to win at home, they haven't, and that and that you know that could be a little concerning. Edmonton picks up a 6-3 win over Ottawa on Tuesday night, and it's been, seems like it's been a pretty good fit for Matthias Ekholm. Their big deadline acquisition seems to have been a really nice fit for the Oilers. Yeah, and I think, you know, one guy that's really benefited from it is Evan Bouchard, because now Evan Bouchard can, can play like Evan Bouchard, and, you know, he's got, you know, th- that's been a really good tandem. Um, you know, for the Oilers. So not only do they get better defensively with Ekholm, you know, uh, but they also, it also improves uh, Evan Bouchard and it gives them, you know, he he can take advantage of his offensive skills. But Pat, I I don't know if you got to, I know you had your game last night, but that was just a highly entertaining game between Edmonton and Ottawa. I mean, they've had two fun games to watch Um, and really watching Watching Tim Stutzla uh, out there, I know we're, we're focusing on, on the Pacific, but, yeah, you know, I, I keep thinking about what could have been in Los Angeles with Tim Stutzla. Huh. We'll see what happens with Byfield, but, it, man, that, that guy is, is phenomenal. Uh, but, from, again, from the Edmonton side, yeah, look, it was, a, it was um, you know, that's another, that's a game that, uh, you know, they, they, they're playing better. They're, they're, you know, I really think that Ekholm has, has changed this team for the better, and then they get Evander Kane back. They did play last night without Zach Hyman, um, but they also get an Ottawa team that, you know, I think that um, for a while they were running on some raw motion, and then, you know, ever since that Chicago game, the 5 nothing loss, and then they go into, uh, you know, Vancouver and have the tough uh, tough game there. It, it's been It's been rough. They just you know, it was just not enough. And they gave Edmonton a fight for 20 minutes. And then the Oilers just yeah. kind of took over. Let's uh, finish in Vancouver, JD, as Rick Tockett and the Canucks have, have won some games of late. And even when they're not winning, it's, it's rare that they're not given the opposition a tough out. Yeah. You know, look, <laughs> I, there's no question. They, they have made life miserable and, you know, I think they got Dallas, you know, last night in a really good spot because the Stars had just come off two emotional, you know, tough battles against Seattle and, you know, and Vancouver. And, you know, they're going back to back into Vancouver. And that's a great opportunity for the Canucks. And and Vancouver did, you know, did what they were supposed to do. But, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, we, we've seen this script before with Vancouver, right, Pat? I mean, we saw it last year, you know, you know, when Bruce came in and what yep. he did with this team. And, and I, I really hope that for, you know, that Rick Tockett has been able, you know, is able to continue this next year with this team. Not to say that Rick is going anywhere, but just that this team can, can, can continue to get better. I do, you know, I, I think the one thing, you know, a couple of things with Vancouver that I've noticed, you know, and, and, you know, JT Miller has been playing better. He can still be just a Royal pain in the ass to both his own team and the opposition. Um, but it really, for me, I, I don't know, the eyeball test tells me that Elias Pettersson is becoming a 200-foot hockey player. Uh, he, and, and then you've got, you know, you've got Kuzmenko with 30 goals. And uh, there's a lot of things to like about this team. Uh, it's just a matter of getting them to play the right way. But I, I really think that, you know, JT Miller, who, you know, can be a really – you know, as we said, a, a tough guy to be around. That's a guy that 
he's he's got to he's got to find a way to be a part of the team and not just be you know we talk about what uh, some team some some teams are teams and some teams are clubs. He's got to be on the team side. He can't be just like thinking yeah. this is a club team. Yeah. So I you know I'm very encouraged. Uh, you know you, you keep hearing the Demko rumors. You know I've heard heard that you know there's a guy that they would shop but I, I just don't know how you do it with you know how, how you could move Thatcher Demko if you're Vancouver you don't really have an option um and you need you know so uh I do like what Rick is doing very happy very happy for him uh hope to, they can continue it but yeah they they play hard and that's the thing that you've got to like you know it, it was different last year Pat because last year they were fighting for a playoff spot this year they're playing for pride right now and jobs mm-hmm. and to see the way they're playing, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like last night was just crazy. How, huh? when you think about all the teams that, that won last night, all these, te- all these teams that are, you know, Chicago is the same way. I mean, Luke Richardson's getting this team to, to play so hard. Arizona, you guys got to see it yep. firsthand last night. You know, Minnesota saw it a couple of nights ago. Anaheim. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so I think like, I mean, you know, just because someone had to win between Philly and Columbus last night, I mean, all the, all the teams that are trying to, to get Connor Bedard all, all won last night. I know. Outside of Philly, who, you know, who couldn't, if somebody had to lose. So, um, yeah, just, I, I like, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a good sign that a bad, you know, a team like Vancouver is, you know, they're, they're going in the right, it seems like they're going in the right direction. And I'm really excited for Rick Tockett, who, um, you know, he, he's waited patiently for another job and you know, he's finally got some highly skilled players to work with. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it all goes. I just, you know, your, your situation is just, what, what a dumpster fire. Yeah, we don't have enough time for that, JD. Uh, <laughs> on that note, we will, uh, we will say, uh, we will bid you adieu. Thank all you, right. pal. Yeah. I'm sorry, Pat. I didn't mean to like, you know. <laughs> we'll talk yeah. to you soon. All right, bye. Take care. See you, J.D. There's uh, Jonathan Davis, our Pacific Division insider. He joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op uh, with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op as we wrap up this hour for Aaron Vickers, for Cam, for Taylor. I'm Pat. That'll wrap up this hour of Flames Talk, and that'll wrap up the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.